Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John, and this is the hundredth program in this series. In this program, I'm continuing in John chapter 16, verse 33, when Jesus was speaking to his disciples. He told them, look, you are going to have tribulations in this world, but don't be afraid. Be of good cheer. Have joy because he has overcome the world. And I was explaining in the previous message that the issue that most people are thinking about is their own tribulations. But what we really ought to start with is the fact that our God has overcome the world. That's really where we need to begin, to recognize that there were some obstacles that God needed to overcome in this world. This is not a part of his original design. He did not create this world to be an obstacle for him to overcome. That is a consequence of the decisions that people made who he created, but that is not why he created the world. This is a consequence, this is the result of other people's decisions, and he is responding to the decisions of other people. But what I want you to recognize is that this is not just all about you. It's not all about you and your tribulations. It is about your God. Once you understand and appreciate the obstacles that he has had to go through, that he has had to overcome, then it's, of course, good to think about the tribulations that we experience personally in our lives, but to do so in the context and in the light of what our God is experiencing in the world that he created. When he created this world, he entered into risk. That's what he did. When he created Adam and Eve, and he gave them the freedom to choose, to decide, to exercise their own will, when he gave them that ability as part of his design, he entered into risk. The risk was that they were not going to do what he told them he needed them to do. He told them to leave one tree alone, that he just wanted to have one tree for himself, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden. And he gave them the opportunity to decide if they wanted to follow that rule or not. That was risk. That was a risk that God took. And sure enough, they decided that God was not going to be able to have one tree for himself in that garden. That's what they decided. And in making this decision, what they did, as is recorded in Genesis chapter 3, what they did was they rejected their God. They decided, as they were deceived by the serpent, a representation of the devil, 
They decided that God was a liar. They decided that he was not telling them the truth. They rejected their God as a dishonest person. And they decided that they were no longer going to have this relationship with God that he defined. He defined a relationship with them, and he defined the rules by which they would govern their relationship while they were together in the garden that he made. He told them that he wanted them to work the garden and to take care of it. He told them that there was a tree that was going to be just for him that they were not going to eat from. He established definitive rules. He called upon them and asked them, where are you? He wanted to spend some time with them. He wanted to interact with them. These were rules that defined the relationship between God and Adam and Eve. And they decided that this relationship was not going to exist anymore. All they wanted was the rules. They just wanted what we would know as the commandments. What is the definition of good and evil? Just tell us what's good. Tell us what's evil. And we will live according to the knowledge of good and evil. We'll just decide for ourselves what we're going to do, what we're not going to do. And of course, we are going to do all that which is good. And we're not going to do anything that is evil. Well, it certainly didn't work out that way, but this is a description of what happened. God entered into risk, and sure enough, they violated the agreement. They violated the relationship. They rejected their God. So this became the definition of the obstacle for God to overcome. Now, eventually... Through the invocation of the new covenant, God overcame the world. He overcame the world in a number of ways. First of all, he got a few people who decided that they wanted to enter into a relationship with him according to his definition. So when he created Adam and Eve to begin with, they decided to exit the relationship. But with the new covenant, people have an opportunity to decide if they want to enter into a relationship with their God. That is a way that God has overcome the world. That people will voluntarily decide to enter into a relationship with him. Part of that also includes that there are people who will decide, people will choose they will exercise their will in this sense, and they will recognize that God is honest, that he is an honest person, that he tells the truth. You know, this is an obstacle for God to overcome, to find people who will recognize and acknowledge that he really does tell the truth, that he's an honest person, that he can be trusted. This was an obstacle that God worked with for thousands of years. And today we still have the same struggle going on. Can you find a person 
who believes that God tells the truth, that he is honest, that he is trustworthy, and who will believe what he has to say, and who wants to know what he has to say, who wants to know who he is. You know, Adam and Eve, they rejected God. But through the new covenant, God is able to obtain some people who are willing to accept him. That was an obstacle to overcome. It was easy to find people who would reject him, but can he obtain people who will accept him? Through the new covenant, this is possible. So when you decided, when you made the choice, just as Adam and Eve at the beginning, they made a choice. They made a decision. It was theirs. It was not something that God decided they would choose. It was not something that God established as their destiny, something he predetermined, predestination in that sense. It's not that he has decided that some people are going to believe in him and other people are not. He has established the boundaries. He has established the parameters. He has established the definitions. But we are to choose what we are going to believe. We are to make that decision. That is something that he has given to us. And we are responsible. You are responsible for what you decide, for what you believe, for what you do. This is the way things are, even though I understand that the majority of the Christian world, since the beginning of the church, the overwhelming majority, have refused to acknowledge their personal responsibility and have decided to embrace some belief that God is the one who decides who's going to be saved and who isn't, in the sense that on an individual basis, you over there, you get to believe in him, but this other person over there, no, he's decided that that person does not get to believe in him. No, it's that person's choice. It really is. It's everyone's choice. It's your choice. You are responsible. There are people who want to believe in destiny, because they don't want to be responsible for themselves. They want someone else to be responsible. And in this case, God is responsible. If God chooses, if he decides that they are going to be a child of God, well, then that's correct. That's the right thing for God to do. He finally did the right thing. But if he doesn't, if he decides that you are going to be a person who goes to hell, well, then that makes this person a victim. And so this is very appealing to people. The idea that either God does the right thing and saves them, or he is victimizing them. And they're okay with being a victim, I guess. That's what they go with. They just go with that. Because it's better for them to be a victim than to be responsible. People would rather just declare, oh, I'm a victim of God, instead of I'm responsible. I'm the one who has to recognize the truth. I'm the one who needs to recognize that there is a God. He is believable. He is trustworthy. And I will be responsible for my decisions before him. When people decide that they are going to embrace their God for who he is, 
This is an obstacle that he has overcome just as it is an obstacle that you have overcome. Because, again, he gets at people who are in his life because they want to be in his life. Those are the people that he wants in his life. Those who want to be there. Those are the people who he wants. He wants people to know him because they want to know him. Not because they have to, but because they genuinely want to who will have a relationship with their God, who will have a relationship with him because because they want to have a relationship with him. That is something to overcome. Again, this is not part of his original design, but he is responding to the decisions of other people. And in response to that, he obtains something greater. So when he established the original creation, he entered into a tremendous amount of risk. And sure enough, that risk was realized when people decided to reject him. But he responded to that. And he provided the definition and the means by which there could be a new creation. And when people embrace the new covenant, surrender To the new covenant, when people are born again by the Holy Spirit of God, when this happens, he obtains something greater than what he had with the original creation. With the new creation, he gets a people in his life because they want to be in his life. And this is good. So it's important for us to really understand and appreciate the obstacles that he overcame in the world, then we can return to the subject of our own tribulations. And we certainly have a lot of tribulations in our lives. And of course, these tribulations are the consequences of sin, of the decisions that people make, the decisions that other people make in your life, and the decisions that you make in your own life. These tribulations are the consequences of your decisions and of other people's decisions. And how can you find some sense of joy, some sense of peace in the midst of all these tribulations in that context? Well, you need to start with the idea that these are decisions that you make and that other people make. And that this is an expression of the risk involved when God has given us the ability to choose what we want to do and what we don't want to do. He created us. He designed us so that we could decide. We are responsible for our own beliefs, for our own decisions, for our own actions. We are individually responsible for our own lives. And it's because of this that you get to decide if you want to know your God. It's because of this that you get to decide if you want to enter into the relationship with God that he has made available to you. It's because of this that you know him, that you can understand him, that you can see the world through his eyes, that you can have this personal interactive relationship and life with your God. It's only because you have free will. And so when you experience the negative 
consequences of the free will of other people and, of course, your own. You can have joy because knowing that we have the ability to make these choices and these decisions, you know that you also get to experience this small part in your life that you get to have a God with you, a God in you, your God in your life because you have decided that you want to have him and he has decided that he wants to have you. He defines the relationship and you have agreed to surrender to that and you are together with him. You are with him and he is with you in the midst of the tribulations and the sufferings that you will encounter in your life. So there is great benefit in having your God, in being in this relationship with him, in being able to have an eternal existence with him in his home. What's the price to pay for that? It's the tribulations in your life, the tribulations of this world. Yes, it is a price to pay. And I understand that some people seem to pay a greater price than others. I understand. But this is what you get. So if you want to have this relationship with your God and you want to have eternity with him, well, this is what you're also going to have to have. You're going to have to have the tribulations of this world. And we should be thankful for the tribulations that we experience. For other reasons, because in the midst of these tribulations, as you discover the hatred that people have for you, and you discover the rejection that people have for you, I mean, these are serious tribulations in your life. When people absolutely hate you, and I know what this is, I've got lots of people in my life who absolutely hate me. I mean, they have a hatred for me that might even compete with satanic hatred. And their rejection of me as a person, I have numerous examples in my history, in my life experience, when people have genuinely rejected me, a just absolute rejection of me as a person. But you know, as I have experienced rejection and hatred, I understand the rejection and the hatred that my God has experienced, I have a connection with my God because I can look to him and I can say, you know what, God, I know how you feel. I do. I know how you feel. And I understand that you also know how I feel. We have a bond with one another. We have a connection with one another that would never exist if it wasn't for the tribulations in this world. Now, we have a God who is with us when we are experiencing the tribulations of life. And I referred to this in the previous programs where I spoke about the fact that we have a God who will walk with us through the difficulties, the struggles, and the tribulations, and the sufferings 
that we will experience in our lives, that we're not going to do this alone, but we have another person with us. And as we go through these tribulations, we will see the world through his eyes. We will hear through his ears. He will show us. He will illuminate things to us that we would never be able to see without his divine discernment just as he also will be able to see the world through our eyes and hear through our ears and understand through our point of view, he will experience our tribulations through us, just as we will experience the tribulations from his point of view. This is a relational experience. You with him, you can have joy in the midst of these struggles, when you have this kind of relational experience with your God, and on the other side of these tribulations, because these tribulations generally end, they're not eternal. Even if you physically die, it's over. The tribulation has ended. Now you go home with the Lord, and he shows you your new place, and you start your new life there. No matter what tribulation it is, it is temporary. And when these tribulations end and you have had your God go through these tribulations with you and relate to you in the midst of these things, you will be different than who you probably would have been if you went through these things on your own. And you will have had an opportunity to experience change and growth and maturity You will become a different person through these tribulations that you experience with your God. You will become someone else in small ways or in big ways, but there will be change, there will be growth. And the more times you experience this, the more tribulations you experience over a period of time, the more you will be able to appreciate these changes because you will be able to look back on history, on your personal history, and see how you have become a unique person by what you have overcome in your life in terms of the tribulations you have encountered. And in having a God who goes through these things with you, and you certainly would not have been able to come out on the other side of these to become who you become without him, without his guidance, without his discernment, without his understanding, without him being an integral part of your life. Most people are thinking about the temptations of sin when it comes to the tribulations, that the tribulation itself is the sin or that the sin is the tribulation. That's what most people are usually thinking about when it comes to this verse, John chapter 16, verse 33, that in this world you will have tribulations. But I'd like you to think about it differently, that these tribulations are more an assessment. The temptation of sin is more an assessment of where you are presently in your life experience. It's not the sins themselves. It's the emptiness that is within you that is the real struggle. You engage in these sins because you think you're going to be loved or accepted or because you need some meaning or purpose in your life. 
it's not the sin itself. It's the root issues, the emptiness that is within you. And these sins are nothing more than opportunities for this emptiness to be exposed. He has overcome the world. Your God has overcome the world and provided you with a new covenant, with a new relationship. The obstacle of the original creation rejecting him and becoming dead spiritually has been overcome by you accepting him and being made alive spiritually. And when you are alive, he can begin to meet the deepest needs of your heart. As he does, you will find that the temptations of sin are reduced because the reasons why they are tempting are resolved by how your God loves you and how you embrace his love for you. So this is a beginning for you to work with the idea of embracing your tribulations and going through them with joy and with good cheer in the light of God overcoming the obstacles of this world. In the next program, I will move forward into John chapter 17. Thank you for listening. This is the 100th program in the verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John. In this program, I finished up John chapter 16 and chapter 16, verse 33, where Jesus explained that we can have some sense of joy in the midst of the tribulations that we are having when we consider that God has overcome the world. And I explained in this program a little bit more about God's obstacles, the obstacles that he needed to overcome in this world, and how that is related to us being able to experience some sense of joy in the midst of the tribulations that we experience. That because of the obstacles he was faced with, with the decision of Adam and Eve, we get to experience benefit now because we can make a willful, voluntary decision to surrender to the new covenant and enter into a relationship with him. And through this relationship, we can grow close to our God. And this is just an introductory example of how we can find joy in the struggles of life. You've been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net